All right, well, while everybody's getting to their seat, I want to ask if you would to open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. Romans 6. Listen, I've been wrestling with this passage all, all week. I wrestled with it last week. I wrestled with it this week and been wrestling with it on the front row. Didn't come in here until... 10 minutes ago, and I'm going to be honest, I don't know if it's going to look exactly like this outline that you got before you today, so sorry, Katie, um, back there, but if, if it is, go with it. We're going we're to go with the Lord today, and, and just trust me, God's going to use His Word. God's going to use His Word today. Look with me at chapter 6. We're going to pick up in verse 12, and we're going to read through the end of the chapter. But before we read, I want to tell you a quick story. Last week we were uh, we were in Disney World, and, and I, you know, a lot of you knew that, and so we, we went, and so it was me and Catherine and my my three girls and my little boy that's in the womb. <laughs> all uh, all six of us were there, and my parents and my sister. Okay, so we had a lot of us. They're in a room, and we had a lot of us there in Disney World, and it was great fun, and we got real close. <clears throat> but the first day that we went into the park, we went to the Magic Kingdom. And the Magic Kingdom is a, a place where as you're walking in, you know, it's got the sign, it's like where all your dreams come true, you know, and you walk in, and, and from the time that you walk in to the time that you leave, they really execute, it's, it's like the equivalent of the greatest event that they could throw together or put on, but they do it every day. So like I can't even fathom the amount of leadership skills that are there at Disney. But, but it's just a, you know, it's a really neat place. And so my kids were just amazed as they walked in, you had, you know, there's Mickey Mouse and there's Elena of Avalor and there's all these different, some of you are like, who? Get a six-year-old girl and you'll know. Uh, but, but, you know, like they're, they're just watching these characters walk past them and they're loving it. And so my kids were having a great day. And so we had ridden a bunch of rides. We'd gone through Small World a couple of times. And, and, and then we were making our way over to the castle because there was a midday show. And the midday show had, you know, some great songs. Elsa just, you know, just knocked it out of the park, you know, with some Let It Go. And I mean, it was just a great, a great scene and uh, my kids were happy. We were all happy. Everybody was excited. It was a moment of, and you know what I'm saying, when it's relative excitement, but there was celebration and joy that was there at the Magic Kingdom that day. But in the midst of that, right at the end of Elsa belting Let It Go, they, in the middle of the day, began to shoot fireworks, okay, which... I have to admit, it was a little unexpected, and you can't even see them in the daylight, and so it was kind of weird too. But they, they start shooting fireworks, and my kids that were like in the midst of this great celebration moment, they all of a sudden just com- they completely lost it. And, uh, you know, I mean, they began to, Lucy and Annie, I mean, they were plugging their ears. They, they had their head down. And we, uh, I mean, Lucy, I pushed them out of the park in a stroller midday. You know, kids that are normally just involved in everything. They were, they were completely out of it. 
head in their lap, ears plugged. Lucy even wore sunglasses indoors. <laughs> like it was like, what are you doing? And we had to leave the, the park that day and we went to Animal Kingdom and it was awesome. That's another story. Point is, and why I would tell you that, is what was meant to be a moment of celebration and joy turned into my kids crouched down in fear at the sounds they heard. Okay. Now, the reason why I bring that up is some of the phrases that you're going to hear when we read the text today, some of the words that are going to come out of my mouth, some of the great callings of God on your life and the words that you hear at first sound, some of you may feel the need to plug your ears and hide your face. But I want to say to you today is this, is what you're going to hear from God's word. Nothing of what will come from this text is meant to have you enslaved, but it is to have you free. Everything that you will hear today is not to have you crouched down in fear, but have you up and living a life of joy and celebration and thanksgiving. This passage today should be very liberating to you. And yet for some of you, when you've heard the phrases that you're here today, instead of it being liberating, it's been something that because of our inability to hear has caused us to crouch our heads and plug our ears. Let it not be so today. Let me pray for you as we open up God's word. Father, I ask that you would do as only you can do. My Father, you would by the power of your Spirit, for the glory of your Son, you would give us eyes to see and you would give us ears to hear your liberating word today. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Pick up reading with me there in... Verse 12 of chapter 6. The word of God says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. And here's the promise that we want to begin our time today with. Here's the promise you you have to hear. And it's this. For sin will have no dominion. I'm going to say it again. Listen. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. I want you to first see, and do look at your outline here, first see this, is that the gospel of grace changes everything. The gospel of grace changes everything. How many of you know what it feels like to be accused, to have the accuser in your ear. Seriously, how many of you know what I'm talking about? 
I bet I'm right about this. I would imagine that many of you, that your experience in church, at least at some time or another, that you came in and you sat and conviction felt like this. You're so bad. Look at what you've done. Look at who you are. Look at all you'll ever be. God would never love you. Look around you. All the people around you, they get it, but you don't get it. All the people around you, they're able to obey. They're able to trust God, but look at you. Look at your weak faith. Look at your pitiful life. Look at what you watched the other night. Look at what you said. Look at how you live. This grace isn't for you. I think for many people, you get stuck at a wall. where right beyond the wall is the most liberating moment of your life. And the wall that you're behind is the wall that you you listen to Satan over listening to God. You obey sin and you aren't able to obey God. I want you to know that the grace of God changes everything for us. And opens up the opportunity for a life of joy and pleasure. A life of purpose that that we never could have gotten to on the other side. The gospel of grace changes everything. So today, if, if you believe that I haven't done enough for God to love me. I want you to know that that, that's inaccurate. That's not true. There's no amount that you could do to earn God's love. God doesn't love you more when you do great things and God doesn't love you less when you fail. God loves you because he loves you. He knows who you are and he still loves you. When I read this text here, these first 14 verses that, man, Keith did such a good job last week. Keith was my, man, he was my pastor last week, just teaching me, leading me, guiding me on a week that I had been dealing myself with accusations from the evil one. And yet what I heard from my pastor last week was this. You died to sin. You died to it. You would never live for it again. You died to sin. It has no power over you anymore. You may be dysfunctional, but that sin doesn't have ultimate power over your life anymore. And God just spoke into the depths of my heart last week. And he's been speaking to me through this text 
that God desires us to walk in a newness of life. He desires us to have a life that is live freely serving him, loving him, loving each other. Not a life where we're, we're sitting there wondering if we're cared for. So today, listen, if you are in Christ, you're loved by God and you're safe in his grace. Sin has no power over you. It has no dominion over your life. It ultimately cannot bring you to death. Not spiritually. You're safe in Christ Jesus. But the second thing that I want us to see today is this. It's really the way that this freedom comes to us. And it's a way that's a little shocking. I want you to see not only the gospel of grace changes everything, but secondly, that we are all slaves to someone or something. Look at the question that that Paul asked. It's very similar to the one that we started last week with. Verse 15, in response to the statement of the Amazing grace of God. This is the question that he asks. He says, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Uh, This is a very relevant question. The, The question last week, I've never actually heard a person articulate to me. Like nobody's ever come to me and said, Pastor Colby, Pastor Colby, listen, should I continue to sin so that God gets more glory? Like nobody's ever done that before. I've never had a person come up and actually ask me that. You know, if I continue to sin, God will give more grace and that'll make him look bigger. Should Should I just keep sinning? It's never happened to me. Paul may have had it asked to him. I've never had it asked to me. This second question I bet potentially everybody in the rooms ask it to some degree. And the question is this, if if I'm no longer under the law, what do I have to do in regards to the law? How should I relate to it? If I'm under grace, if I'm, as my pastor just said, I'm safe in Christ, and as we said a few, a couple of months ago, when in regards to justification, you can't be more justified in 10,000 years than you are today in Christ Jesus. So if that's true, why does it matter what I do? I mean, I mean, there's, you know, people might not ask it in that exact way, but it's certainly something that you've dealt with. It's like, well, does it matter what I do? Does it matter how I behave? Does it, does it matter? And, and what Paul says is this to the question. The, the question is, are we to sin? Is it okay that I'm sinning? Because I mean, we're not under law, but we're under grace. And he says, absolutely not. That's ridiculous. By no means. Of course not. Like Paul about loses it. And I mean, the point is so clear. He's saying, listen, if by grace you were set free from sin, why in the world would you say that grace justifies you to sin? Like that's crazy. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Man, not to be yoked with sin, 
but to be yoked to him. The question is so wonderful because it is so practical. Many of you have asked before, I mean, in your mind at least, like you may not have wanted to say it out loud, but you thought, okay, now that I'm a Christian, I wonder what that means. How many times should I read the Bible a day? Like, have I prayed enough? Have I attended church enough? Oh man, we're not in enough small groups. You and I can create a law just when we wake up in the morning. Like we're good at doing that. Our problem is not, are we able to create a law? Our problem is, can we just receive and live in grace? He says, no, by no means. He says, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you're a, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to life. Now, Listen, I understand, and I'm very sensitive to this. When, when we say the word slavery, when we say the word slave, uh, that is a very personal word to many people. And it's a word that can be taken very offensively, and rightly so. Right now, there are millions of slaves in the world today. Our country has, of course, been a place where slavery uh, was was right right before us, and so I understand how difficult it can be to hear that word slavery. But if you were in the first century, you would have a much better understanding of the word that he's using here. It's a word that means bond servant, and for an estimated eighty to ninety percent of the church body in Rome. They had at one point or another been a bond servant. And it is a, a, a job, it is a placement where, where you are under a master and you have given up all of your rights to the master. Oftentimes it went something like this. It, it, would, it would be someone had a debt that they couldn't pay. And so whether it was for five years, 10 years, 15 years, whatever it might be, they gave themselves over to, to this person that was to become their master until they worked off that debt. And so for many of these people, they understood this not as a grave offense, but they understood it as a, as a position that they had seen or they had experienced or they were currently in, in their life, where someone else they had given their rights to. When we get into this text here in chapter six, Paul gives us this principle and he, and he says, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, whatever you obey, Whoever you obey, in a sense, you have become their slave. And he gives us two options. And it has worldwide inclusion. It involves every single person in all of the world. And he said, there's only two possibilities for you. 
You're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. You're either a slave to sin or a servant of God. And what I want you to write down is is this phrase. I think it could be helpful to you. You can be either a slave to sin or a servant of God. You can either you can be either a slave to sin or a servant of God. But listen, you can't be neither and you can't be both. You can be either a slave to sin or a servant of God, but you cannot be neither one of them. And you can't be both. There's a popular thought that it it goes something like this. If I leave religion, if I can just get away from, you know, this religious life, then I can do what I want to do. I can be free just to live the way that I want to. And what the Bible is telling us here is that that's not an accurate uh, way to see life. That's not reality. You don't, no one in a real sense has freedom. You don't have freedom just to do what you want to do. What the word of God says here is, no, you, you will serve a master. The master is either sin or the master is God. That's your two options. What is the fruit of, you know, that comes from the work uh, of these two masters of this service? What is the fruit of this service? Well, look at what the word of God says. It says, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching of which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. Now, I love this, this text right here, because it talks about in the past and then how they are in the present. And when he looks back at the past, he says that you guys were once slaves of sin. And I asked earlier, how many of you know what it's like to have the accuser in your ear? But I mean, I could ask you this and don't raise your hand, but I mean, man, how many of you know what it's like to be a slave of sin? Maybe that's not a popular thing to discuss like around the dinner table, but listen, I... I know what it's like and you know what it's like. We're like, what what you live for, what you want. Your goals in life, they, they weren't what the Lord had for you. They were something else. And you gave your life to accomplish those things only to realize that they led to disappointment, lack of joy, heartbreak. It's easy, I think, to think about sin and think about, you know, being certainly a slave to sin in thinking about it in terms of things that are very immoral. Like that's easy. 
You know, you're like, man, sexual immorality. You know, I gave myself to this person and that person and this person and that person. At the end, in the morning, I felt empty. I felt disappointed. I felt hurt. I felt heartbroken. Like you could give those things. Like that, that seems easy. But when we talk about sin, we're not just talking about what you might deem to be immoral. We're also talking about what we looked at in the first chapter of Romans. And it's not just things that are immoral. It's things that can be really good that we desire too much. We talked about in the the first chapter, over desires. See, if I make anything but God ultimate, I will become a slave to that thing. And it can be really good things. Said it a lot of times, but Catherine is a phenomenal wife. She is a wonderful mother. But she is the worst God. (laughs) She's just not a good God. My kids are precious, man. I love them. Love my little kids. They're wonderful kids, but they are terrible gods. I love my job. It's a great job. It's a terrible God. And I think for many of you in the room, if you look at the issues that you have, the struggles that you have, the fears that you have, you'll identify what God those are rooted in. For some of you in here, I think acceptance is something that you live for. You just want to be accepted. And so you sacrifice yourself on the altar of acceptance only to be left without the very thing that you desired most. When only God can really give you what you need. You need to know that God freely accepts you. Some of you, you're workaholics. And you work so hard and you think about your work when you're not working and you're always dealing with work and money and providing and you have made your God, your ability to provide. Your job, you've made your purpose in life. You sacrifice yourself and your family on the altar of success in this business in this thing, in this education, whatever it is. And what the Lord is telling us here is even good things, they can enslave us. The only freedom that can be found, the true freedom is in bondage to Jesus. It sounds crazy. It may sound like those fireworks. Oh, you know, come. But I'm telling you that a life in service to God is the only place to find true freedom. The gospel of grace changes everything. We're all slaves to someone or something. And lastly, only the gospel sets us free to serve God. 
I, I want you to hold your place where you are and flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This has always been one of my favorite places to go. But it has so much to do with with what we have just looked at. Verse 14 of chapter 5. I want you to hear what, what the Apostle Paul says. He says, for the love of Christ controls us. Think about that word. What controls you? What controls your life? Paul says the love of Christ controls us. It captivates my thoughts. It owns me. He says, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live, listen to this, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. I wonder today, what are you, what do you believe that you're controlled by? What are you captive to? Because if it's anything other than God and his gospel, it will lead you down a road that will be destruction. Listen to these last words of chapter six. Verse 19, he says, I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Now in this thought process, when we're thinking about what we're controlled by, what we do, uh, what is our motivation in life, I just want you to think right now, the life that I'm leading, is there fruit? Is there fruit that's found in what I'm doing with my life? Like all this talk about using your members to serve, not sin, but serve God. I mean, the things that I'm doing with my life, that could, that could, be, my, that could be my job. Uh, that, that could be just the way that I'm living out my faith. I mean, it can be just many different things. But do you feel like at the end of the day, you're sanctified? Or do you feel like you're ashamed? Which are you wrestling with? Do you feel like your life is leading to uh, growth in Christ? Or that your life has just been leading to you feeling guilty again, ashamed again, hurt again, disappointed again? What do you see? What the Lord desires is this, is for us to be captivated, for us to be controlled by, for us to be in bondage to the love that we have found in Christ Jesus. That we have stared at the gospel and we have seen that God gave up his son for us. 
that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for my soul. Is that what's motivating me? Because see, for for me, listen, I don't wake up in the morning and beat myself up because I feel like I didn't do enough yesterday. I wake up in the morning knowing that I'm freely loved by God. I wake up in the morning knowing that he's not angry at me, that he loves me. And God desires me to be an agent of his love in the world. Look, we've looked at the masters. You either serve God or you serve sin. We know that the fruit of serving sin leads to death and disappointment. The, The fruit of serving God leads to righteousness and life. But I want you to consider the way we attain this outcome, the way that, that, we, that we gain this freedom. Look at the very last verse of chapter six. You, you probably know it well. It says, for the wages of sin is what? It's death. The wages of sin. What are wages? There's something that's what? There's something that's earned. Like I, like I worked to receive the wage. Wages are something that's earned. And I was earning death from while I was in the womb. That's what the Bible teaches. But look at what it says. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Man, to become a slave of sin, you just wake up. You're just born. Thank you, Adam. And you earn your wages. And the wages is death. Man, because of this grace that changes everything, God just offers, he offers life to us freely. It's a gift. We can't earn it. We just receive it. And in receiving that grace, do you think I'm going to receive it and then say, no, I don't ever want to see you again. No, I give my life to him. I give my life to him. May may there be no one in the room that leaves this place enslaved, chained to your sin. But may we leave this place as a servant of God, as one free from sin, dead to sin, and alive to him. I'm gonna ask Jennifer to come up, and, and as you do, Look, this, this morning, let, let's, just, let's just be real with be real with God. As we sing, as we worship, just consider your life, considering what I've been giving myself to. 
as a Christian, know that you're loved. You're no longer, as we sang earlier, you're no longer a slave to fear. You are a child of God. As a child of God, you will find your joy, you will find your pleasure, you will find your purpose in being obedient to his call to love. His word is good. His word shapes us. Let's be a people who are being molded by God's word, living out the calling of his life, of our life, the call that he has for us, living it out in the world. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you for your word.